It would be good doing sound effects with with a knife and fork. While you're eating your dinner, while we'll. Uh, while... You know, there were enough. As some people got in touch with me and complained about your owl last time. <laughs> now it's the knife and fork game. Okay, here we go. You are listening to the Big Finish Podcast. Control yourself. Hello, Big Finish Productions. What's it all about? Well, we are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audio books. Probably most famous for our Doctor Who range. We also offer you a heck of a lot of other stuff. Torchwood, Blake, Seven, Dark Shadows, Pathfinder, Legends. <laughs> It's a bit of tapping of sausages going on. I'll explain in a minute. The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, The Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, Sherlock Holmes, The Prisoner, Knight of the Triffids, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Treasure Island, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Phantom of the Opera, Terrorhawks, The Sigmund Freud Files, The Martian Chronicles, I said Martian, not Martian, The Scarifiers, and much more. Take a look at bigfinish.com and see for yourself. My name's Nick Briggs, but that's as maybe my six-year-old son Ben is here to give me some moral support. Hey, Ben. Hello. Ben is, in fact, in the middle of eating his dinner. I've interrupted his meal time. Yeah, that doesn't matter. What are you eating? Pancake. Pa- pancake. Yeah. Um. Pancake. And what else is on your plate? Um. Sausages. Yeah. And what have you got waiting for you downstairs? Peas and strawberries and blueberries. There you are. That's a typical meal for Ben Briggs. Judge for yourself. I mean, you know, I think it's nutritionally sound. You know, good for you. That's what I'm saying. Oh, he's drinking now. Good drinking sound effects. What have, you been, what have you been doing since the last podcast? Um. <laughs> well, more pancake, yeah. Uh, this podcast was released on Monday the 20th of June, but recorded in advance on Wednesday the 15th of June, because I've got some third and fourth Doctor stories to direct. So that's why we haven't reacted to the recent inflammatory headlines about the unexpected arrival of alien bathroom suites over Bognor Regis. Sorry about that. Here's what you can expect from this podcast. Big Finish news, emails from our listeners, a guest star interview, a random revisiting of an archive Big Finish release, and a special Doctor Who short story at the end of the podcast. In the last podcast, I promised one of two Toms as our special guest star interview, either Doctor Who magazine editor Tom Spilsbury or the fourth Doctor himself, Tom Baker. This week it's going to be Tom Spilsbury, but it's a sort of soap opera crossed with The Office as I visit the DWM office in Tunbridge Wells and chat to some of the fine folks who actually create the magazine. So now it's time for the news. Cutie. 
the Worlds of Big Finish Week. All this week we're celebrating our Worlds of Big Finish ranges with special offers featuring seven of our favourite heroes. Sherlock Holmes, the great detective himself, Bernice Summerfield, the futuristic archaeologist who gets into all sorts of scrapes, Dorian Gray, well you've heard of Dorian Gray, the picture of Dorian Gray, this is the confessions of Dorian Gray as well, Iris Wildtime, time-travelling lady in a London bus, Vienna Salvatore, ooh, she's an assassin or what, and the Graceless Twins, who sort of travel through time and space, getting up to all sorts of naughty things. They feature across loads and loads of discounted titles, with a different hero discounted each day of the week. So, keep checking the website throughout the week. I'm just giving you some advice. You can also pick up last year's crossover tale, The Worlds of Big Finish, at a special offer price, which features a load of those characters. Here's the trailer. Hold your horses, what's this? A History of Earth, volume 36,379, by Kronos Vad. We're not just talking about any book. We're talking about an object that shouldn't exist. And you say this book is of great importance? Oh, you cannot begin to imagine. (laughs) Any idea as to its origins? There's only one place it could have come from, and that's the Archive, a near-infinite library containing every book that ever was and ever will be. But larger than the British Library? Yes. It's bigger than the whole flipping solar system. It's a near-infinite library. Goodness me. We want this world and everything in it. Then if you're so powerful, why don't you take it? Why bother with this charade? I have a feeling that what we have seen here is but a fragment of something considerably larger in scale. A plot. Or rather plots more intricate than even I shall ever truly understand. Also be on the lookout for new details of some of these characters' upcoming adventures. There's a new trailer for the fourth Doctor adventure, Casualties of Time, featuring the return of the Black Guardian and the death of one of the TARDIS team. (laughs) Do you believe me? Here's the trailer. You really believed your pathetic attempts to elude me had any effect at all. I've been watching you, and this is the moment to exact my revenge. So you're going on a long trip, Doctor, and by the time it's over, my power and reputation will be unassailable. I'm just here for the ride. Uh, What ride would that be, Cuthbert? The one where you chase me all over the place, wondering what the heck's going on. What have you done with Romana? I believe she represents our only chance of preventing the whole of history from unravelling. Earth before 1859. Cuthbert's plan, it went back much further than 1859. Everyone, out of the train! Hands up! So that means Cuthbert has got himself another quantum gateway. That infernal time engine has revealed to us the full extent of the conglomerate's influence on universal history. There's a clear thread of philanthropy and compassion running through all of the corporation's activities. He's the Black Guardian. The time is approaching. The time is approaching. 
and some recent releases doctor who the two masters which uh, listeners have been loving there's lots of fan mail about that here's the trailer coming soon from big finish productions can i come with you i could show you the universe if you wanted me to well that's not good but it's a dangerous place if something is erasing parts of the time stream i really couldn't guarantee your safety throughout all recorded history blank patches of time spreading everywhere who is that i'm called the master the notorious renegade time lord murderer of billions stop it stop it stop it you're making me blush your worst nightmare made flesh the universe is sick my friend soon very soon it shall regenerate what's going on hold on i'm not accustomed to taking orders i am the master there is a clue in the name doctor who the two masters please take me with you what's your name Jemima. Nice to meet you, Jemima. Also, The Trouble with Drax. Yes, another fourth Doctor adventure. Oh, come on, come on. Definitely parked it here somewhere. Not that one. Ah, oh, I'm a beauty. Come on. Don't go missing on Oh! Step away from your TARDIS, Time Lord. And Doctor Who Lost and Found. A short trip. Read by Annika Wills, featuring the second Doctor. How curious. The Doctor was bending down, attempting to shift some bricks, like a puppy digging a hole. What have you found? asked Ben. He'd been waiting for the Doctor to discover something out of place, something that might turn into an adventure. That was the news, compiled by Joe Smith. Thanks, Joe. And now, Big Finish emails. This from Robert Walton. Hello, Big Finish Podcast. I'm a big fan of the Sarah Jane Smith audio series and consider Series 2 to be the best representation of the character I've encountered. It gave a chance for the great Miss Sladen to have an opportunity to shine even more. Noting that Series 2 ended on a cliffhanger, I'm writing to inquire, was a resolution written or a third season roughed out? Is there any chance of sharing how the story would have resolved or plans to release a digital novel following the events in Series 2? Or should I just imagine? Thanks for all you do. And he signs it Russ. So I don't know whether he's Russ or Robert. I don't know. I'm confused now. It's, it's uh, Joe Smith supplied me with these emails. Maybe he's gone a bit bonkers. Anyway... I don't think a third series was planned, and uh, I think the second series was made as the new series was on television, and I think that was uh, because Sarah Jane Smith was going to feature in the TV series. We were no longer allowed to use the character. Um, Yes, and also no plans for a digital novel. It's a fun idea. I'd never say never. I won't say just imagine, but it's it's probably a no. Sorry to say, Russ or Robert or both. Here's an email from Kevin. 
That's all it says. No surname. Just Kevin. Hello, Team Big Finish. I was playing through the video game Lego Dimensions, which features Doctor Who characters and Nicholas Briggs <laughs> quite extensively. I noticed that the voice lines from the Doctors that weren't the 12th Doctor were voiced by Archive Audio, especially the 8th Doctor, who experienced most of his popularity under Big Finish. The team at Traveller's Tales seem like they're really big fans of the series, and many of the people there have expressed their desire to do a solo Lego Doctor Who game for a while now. Has there been any consideration, especially from Nick in the past, of collaborating with them? N no, I'm afraid. No. 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 Javier. If you're Spanish, that's your name. If you're not... I've probably mispronounced it. It's spelled J-A-V-I-E-R. And he says, Dear Nick and Joe, on this occasion, I'd like to thank you for the format of the weekly podcast. It has now become a Tuesday tradition to listen to it in my car since I've got to drive every week for 50 kilometres and back again home. Oh, Tuesday? Well, it's released on a Monday, mate. The journey has now become much more bearable with Nick promoting The Prisoner, Joe mispronouncing names and Ken Bentley's interruptions. <laughs> On another note, I'd like to congratulate you on the license extension for Doctor Who and Torchwood until 2025. I literally just received the latest one, Moving Target, as I write this. The great production values and the reimagining of The Prisoner Volume 1 are what I think is going to be considered one of your best releases ever, Gallifrey Enemy Lines by David Llewellyn and Scott Hancock. Now, I cannot wait to listen to what you've got planned for Ace and Mel on their trilogy. You'll just have to. Speaking of Gallifrey, let me ask you a question. Have you considered doing a Seventh Doctor Braxia Tell trilogy, similar in style to the one you did in 2010 with Klein? I think it'd be extremely interesting since we've barely seen anything between the two characters on any media. And uh, wonders can only be made with both being such duplicitous characters. The Seventh Doctor Duplicitous. Oh, the very thought. Once again, congratulations on your amazing work. Well, um, no plans for that. It's interest interesting you floated that idea. Well, we've got a lot of time, haven't we, until 2025. Maybe that will come up again. Mm. And that's the end of the Big Finish emails. Remember, if you want your email to feature in this podcast, you can contact us at podcast at bigfinish.com. Yes, Ben, what is it? down with the big pause in the podcast okay i can edit the pause out it's fine it's fine um ask us anything uh tell us anything it's all fine podcast at bigfinish.com and before we move on i just wanted to ask ben something ben yes would you accept a challenge from me if you tell me what it is well i'm going to but i just agree to it before i issue the challenge is that fair um, no. <laughs> because I might not like doing it. Okay, fair enough. Well, your challenge is this, if you choose to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> He's genuinely terrified. Well, that's very good shivering acting. Uh, your challenge is to listen to a Big Finish production. Shiver. Your challenge is to listen... <laughs> I can't say Listen it. to a shiver. <laughs> Your challenge is to listen to a big Finnish production before the next podcast. How about that? Would you do that? Mm-hmm. We'll do it right after this. Really? Oh. What sort of thing would you like to listen to? What would it have to have in it? Daleks or David Tennant? 
Would you like that? Cybermen. Cybermen. Mm-hmm. A story with Cybermen in. With the second Doctor. Yeah, haven't you heard a bit of that? Mm-hmm. I want it again. Do you? What was that one called? I only want to watch two minutes of it. You can't, you can't watch it. You can only listen to it. No, I only want to listen to two minutes of it. Do you? Why? It's just I don't want to listen to it forever. We don't have to listen to it forever. I don't really want to listen to it all. Okay. Because because how long are they? It depends. I mean, you watch an X-Men movie, don't you? And that goes on for a long time. But but that's only at weekends. Oh, right. So you can listen to it at the weekend if you like. You don't have to listen to it tonight. I can see it's a lost cause, this, isn't it? So I'll sort out, what is the Cyberman one called? Then when are you coming coming back? Because they're only on your computer. That's true. Well, I'm going to London to direct some uh, Doctor Who tomorrow. Uh, And when you, on the day you come back, what day are you coming back on? Well, I'll see you at the weekend. Okay, I'll do it at Nana's. Yes. Because um, that's where you're meeting us. Yeah. Oh, the ISOS network, it's called. Which has got uh, the second Doctor in it. Fraser Hines playing the second Doctor. Yeah? That's a thumbs up. (coughs) He's now getting into a sausage. Marvellous. Okay, Ben. Well, um, I feel I'm... Like I'm interrupting your meal time. So get on with anything. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Get on with anything. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. He's gone. He's gone. He'll be back to say goodbye at the end because I've cleverly already recorded that and will edit it in. It's marvellous, isn't it? Time now for our guest star spot. I popped along to the Panini UK offices to see the sterling chaps who make Doctor Who magazine, the monthly newsstand magazine devoted entirely to Doctor Who. Imagine that! After a little chattery tour around the office, I interview longtime friend of the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who magazine editor Tom Spilsbury. Now the longest running editor, or perhaps the longest sitting editor of the magazine. I've not seen him do much running, to be fair, to be fair. The following report begins with the departure from the building of comic strip editor Scott Gray, who was too busy going home to talk to the likes of me. Hello, I'm in the Doctor Who magazine offices, and Scott, you're leaving. What were you doing? I am. I'm sorry, I'm going home. Oh, sorry, well, I won't. I w- food. Okay, I won't be interviewing you then. All right, no, sorry. Okay, sorry, bye then. All right, cheers. Bye. Have a great time. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you again, bye bye. 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 Richard, well, I'm uh, busy. yeah, you don't want to be interviewed, do you? I don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm always happy to talk to you, Nick. Um, <laughs> You'll say it in that tone of voice. Yeah, he is saying it in that tone of voice. <laughs> I am recording. But I am. I am very busy. It's six o'clock. The day's winding down, isn't it? Not for Tom. He'll be here until midnight. I live quite close by, so I can just trundle off whenever I feel like. I used what? to have to sort of think, oh no, the last train's going in a minute. Now I, I have no such boundaries. <laughs> he has slept on the sofa before, I think, in the, in the reception. No, I, I was stupid enough not to realise we had a sofa, and I just slept on the floor. 
<laughs> Someone said, you could have slept on the sofa. I went, oh, yeah. Do we ever have a quick kip in the middle of the day? I did, I did on my birthday because I was kind of, I was ill though. I came in on my birthday and I just thought, I was feeling wretched and they decorated my, my whole desk and put sort of balloons and things up and it was very sweet and put these chocolate buttons everywhere which I've still got. Um, and, and it was so it was so sweet of, of everyone and I just felt wretched and I thought I'm just going to, maybe if I sit here and just try and go to sleep for a little bit I'll feel a bit better in a minute and I didn't. So I, I did actually just go home that day. Do you know, selfishly, the main thing I remember about that is that we went out for a meal the night before. Oh, yeah. And then when I heard you were ill the next day, I thought, oh, God, I haven't caught it, whatever it is, yeah. whatever lurgy he's got. I didn't. So oh, that's clean. nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad that you were, you were fine <laughs> while I was feeling the worst I've ever felt on my 40th birthday. I wonder, I wonder what it was you had. Mm. Well, it could have just been just just what you get when you turn 40 I don't know did, did that's true I've had it ever since yeah <laughs> it's never stopped mm. uh, Mark Wright's joined us hi Mark hello Nick how are you I'm fine what what have you been doing why did you leave the room uh, I had to speak to my wife because I'm away I'm away from home for a week when I'm at Panini I, I'm away from Halifax for the week so and, and she calls just to make sure I'm all right uh, can you explain for the listeners what it is you're working on at the moment uh, I'm working on I'm editing the complete history part work the Doctor Who complete history part work which I co-edit with John Ainsworth also of Big Finish fame yeah. um, there's a whole yeah. load of them in front of you there there are yes the lovely things that they are so we just sent an issue to press this morning uh, and I've also been talking to Scott Gray about the Doctor Who magazine comic strip Scott Gray who's just run off yes and you're going to be writing I am, yes, from 5.01. I have a, a, little, a modest run, uh, which we've been talking about, which is going to be fun. So, yeah, it's good. It's all Doctor Who at the moment. Oh, yes. If only listeners, if only you could see it. That looks good. Who's that? What character's that? That looks like... Is he really going to have a moustache? Yes, he's a character with a moustache. Yeah, it's called The Pestilent Heart, part one. Oh. When's this podcast going out? They might have seen it by the time. <laughs> when, when? No, this podcast will go out in a couple of weeks' time, yes. I think. That's a new regular character we've got in the strip as well. Is it? But yeah, we're introducing a, a new family uh, for the because we're having a uh, an interim companion between uh, Clara and, and Bill arriving. Uh, so yeah, so that's all, all all good fun at the moment. Thank you. He's, he went into PR mode then, didn't he? Yeah. So it's it's now half past six. And Richard Atkinson is still working on layouts for Doctor Who magazine. Yeah, well, I had to. Last issue, for issue 500, uh, it got to about 10 minutes before the last train to London, which is where I live. Uh, was, what time was about is that, so I know, for tonight? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's about half, half 10. Okay. And uh, so I just said to Tom and Peter, I said, everything's designed. It's just a few pages. Just leave it to you. They finished about 1 o'clock in the morning, I think. By which time I was like just that? about getting here. Don't you well, think, that was, why that was can't the, we organise this a bit better? That was the incredible... Well, issue 500, I would say that was exceptional, but it does seem to... I was impressed, actually, that given for issue 500 we were doing twice as much as what we usually do, that we actually... More than twice, really. That it actually sort of seemed to finish at roughly the same time. We had, we had actually got a bit of a head start on that one because we knew it was going to be so much. Yes. It's, Tom, it's a Tom Baker article. Yeah, to, to well, no, it's always, uh, I think it's what's it, a 76 page interview with Tom Baker this issue? Tom Spilsbury's right? here all of a sudden. 
Yes, there's a big interview with Tom Baker. It's in several parts. Yes. I don't think it's 76 pages, though. I think it's now down to 60. Oh, well, that's much more reasonable. Six pages. <laughs> 66 pages of Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah. and the cover, so that's 67. Well, the interview doesn't last for 66 pages. Yeah, it's a 66 page yeah. interview with Tom Baker. He's got a lot to say. <laughs> and I see a thing here it says, pull quote, kiss, 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 kiss. Yeah. yeah. Some of my finest. I, you know, you, that's I would say going. I don't do the words. Occasionally I do the words, but sometimes Some, I think, oh, I, I can't be bothered and leave it. And then someone will decide Tom what, or the, Peter what the quote is. That's the big quote on the page. Unfortunately, Peter up. isn't here. It's very sad that you've yeah. missed him because he's not very well. No, let's hope he's better very yeah. soon. That's a lovely picture of Tom, isn't it? When's that from? Well, this this spread, I think, is uh, is him mainly talking about how he used to go out drinking in Soho, <laughs> and then got married to Lala Ward and stuff. It's so we've found that we found this yes. picture, which does look. I presume. I mean, I don't know if you can identify that. If I open it up in Photoshop, so you can see the whole picture. Yeah, um, that's robot. That's robot. There you go. There's the picture. Um, that I think that's probably somewhere in Soho. Oh, well, I would say that was definitely in Soho. Um, Berwick Street, I think. Berwick Street. Yeah. Why but is I, it backwards on the side? I can't um, write it. Because um, I downloaded it from Rex Features, and uh, they'd obviously scanned it in the wrong way. Obviously, came from a transparency, and they'd scanned it the wrong way around because mm. you can see that says shoe repairs there if you squint. Oh, I couldn't see that. And also, you can see the way his shirt's buttoned up, and so oh. know, that's the correct way. Uh, this, this is all going to work so well on your audio podcast, yeah, isn't yeah. it? No, but <laughs> listen, do, you, don't you ever listen to Radio Four? They spend all their time <laughs> describing things in documentaries. Yeah. Like, I'm now looking at a screen. See, I mean, oh, yes, I looked at that and I thought I could have told you that Tom, Tom, ba- Tom Baker's that's face looks a bit wonky. So yeah, that, I that, that, I that was him flipped, flipped around the wrong way, we, we like always, a mirror image. We always yeah. try to make sure pictures are around the right way because oh. we get complaints a lot. Yes, well, I, I would be complaining. But it's one of my pet hates. Some people can't see it. You know, they can't. They don't notice. If your listeners are, are have issue five hundred and one of Doctor Who magazine, it should be on page twenty four. If Tom doesn't change it before we go to press, are you going to change right? it, Tom? Um, no, I, I'm hopefully going to keep this as it is now because we're quite close to the deadline. So if I go around yes. changing it all around, so yes, if so you've got that. the issue there, by the time you're listening to page it, or back to to get it, and when you see it on page 24, you'll know what picture we're talking about. I've just noticed Mark Wright pointing at the screen and counting like he's only just learned to count. <laughs> I have, I am a writer. What are you doing? Uh, I'm plotting the uh, pages for the next issue of uh, the Complete History. It's this is the kind of the battle plan oh. that we have. It's all scheduled out for for all eighty volumes, uh, and this is where we kind of do everything basically. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, how how many of the three of you listen to Big Finish? Oh yes, I, I, I do. Used to, yeah, I used to listen to them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, you used I used to. You've gone off it. Well, now, I used I to. Re- I I dip in every now and then. Yeah. Can you tell me uh, what you've listened to recently that that you particularly liked? Uh, or hated. Can I? Well, um, no. I, I will confess it has been a little while. Okay, but they well, come. They come in. I did listen to the Auntie Matter. Oh, the Tom Baker. That's one going back with, a couple uh, of years. Yeah, isn't it? with Mary Tam. Yeah, um, that was great fun. I thought. Yeah. That's just one of the questions and, um, I ask people on the podcast. What big finish is? Agi- big finish. Well, I used to. I used to review molecules. them every month for TV Zone, and I used to roughly because I knew Gary Russell. Um, uh, quite well I wasn't the best person to be doing it really because there was a conflict of interest yeah, yeah. but I knew him quite well and I thought oh, I don't want to upset him uh, so if I thought 
well, it's it's okay. I, I like it, but you know, I'd, I'd sort of go, oh, well, you know, seven out of ten because because yes, that a long-standing uh, battle I, over because <laughs> you gave a terrible review to Project Twilight, and then you made it up to me by giving a good review for The Church and the Crown. But Gary insists. <laughs> Gary insists that I I gave all of the big finishes really bad marks and, and terrible reviews. But I, I thought I was very generous. I think you know. I, I, but that's a constant battle between the people who make things and the people who review yes. things, isn't it? That, but I did. If you make them, you want ten you know, out of ten. Obviously, don't you? you know, I gave spare parts ten out of ten. And, did uh, you really? Yeah, that was well worth it. And I think the the one doctor I gave a very good review to. Okay. Do people think Remember? we should bring back Russell's rateometer in, in Doctor Who? The little Tardises yeah. as a sort of mark at the end of each. Yeah, no, I mean, Scott I don't were discussing that earlier. earlier and we'll we'll really like. We will talk over that works well, does it? We will talk over the top of each other. Uh, I really like the Silver Turk, was it called? Yeah, the, the Silver Turk. Can you do yeah, a bit of Tenth Planet Cybermen <laughs> for us? No, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I've just listened to Vampire of the Mind, oh, which I thought yeah. was excellent. I think Alex McQueen is incredible as the master. He is brilliant, isn't he? Um, and I've also listened to the first of the Tenth Doctor and Donna, Tinkophobia, right, which I thought yes, was great. My favourite of those is um, Death and the Queen. I haven't, it's, that's on my... It's a stupendous uh, script by uh, James Goss. Oh, he's very, he's very good. The uh, Doctor things. I was very interested in that when you recast John Pertwee. Yeah. And uh, I thought, oh, I want to see if this works. And I loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought, I thought uh, it, I thought it was pitched really well between it, it, it sounding just enough like him, but without him being an impersonation, it was still a performance th- of the role. And uh, I loved all the music that was on it that made it sound like very much like 70s Doctor Who. I thought that was Brilliant. really oh, beautifully thanks. observed. I thought yeah. that was great. We've just got him in to do some more and he's even better at it now. He's, he's done some more studying and yeah. got better at it. I mean, he was very good anyway. Oh, and I listened to the War Doctor thing. Oh, I listened yeah. to that. Yeah, it was, was, what was that called? Monstrous, well, only monstrous, the monsters. Only monstrous, the monsters. Monstrous, monstrous, monstrous. <laughs> it was monstrous. <laughs> monster, monster, monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you enjoyed that, did you? That was lovely. Yeah. See, he's listened to a few. You Seven don't. You don't. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You don't listen to it, though, do you? You're too busy. I'm very busy. I did listen to a little bit of an upcoming audio yesterday. Oh, what was that? Um, it was a clip that was put up with Captain Jack and Jackie Tyler. Oh, that was very exciting. I was thinking, is that because that's, that's not a Doctor Who one, but it's a, it's for a Captain Jack series, is that right? Yeah, it could be. Oh, you haven't said. Is it? Is it mysterious? I want so the Jackie Tyler adventures. <laughs> I want more Jackie Tyler. Don't we all? Well, Tom, it's time for me to take you in the other room mm. and <laughs> give you a proper interviewing. Okay. Thanks, guys. It's You're been welcome. real. Right. So, Tom, I'll just bring this over here like that, and then you come in a bit closer. Okay. Just Do I have to whisper? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all top secret. Just so between you and me. <laughs> and how many people listen to your podcast? Oh, seven. Seven. Okay. Well, we, we can all crowd in a bit closer. Come and listen to this. It's we Tom Spilsbury. We could just invite them here. We've got seven seats around here. We could, we, we <laughs> yeah, that's it. it. So, Tom Spilsbury, how long have you been editor of Doctor Who magazine? Um, it's now... 12 years, 10 months, and three days, I think. And three days? I think so. I think it must have been... We're now June the 9th. I think it's August the 6th. That's wow. going to be 12 years, 10 months, and three days. 
if I've worked that out right. Okay, that's quite a long time. Are you going to do it forever? I've, I just realised I've completely got that wrong anyway. I said 12 years, didn't I? It's, yeah. it's eight years as editor. <laughs> this is, What's that? So oh, the 12 because you were editor. I was thinking of when I was assistant editor before. As editor, it's eight years, ten months, and three days. But yeah, overall, I've been there over 13 years. And, and you're going to do it forever, aren't you? Um, no, I might. Something might happen to me. <laughs> well, no, I don't mean me. for, obviously you're not going to live forever. <laughs> I hope this isn't terrible news to you. That's no, I, um, I, I've, I've got to the point where people are actively asking me if I'm going to leave. I, not, I, not, I wasn't asking that. Not, not at, at Panini particularly. Cause, uh, in the morning as yeah, you come in past reception. It, it, morning, Tom, you're going to leave? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't tend to, to do that quite so much. Because actually here at Panini, I'm still, relatively speaking, quite new. There were people who'd been here a, a lot longer than that. Really? Um, what are they doing here? I don't know. I've never really quite plucked up the courage to ask some of them. You've just seen their um, faces I've just seen for a few of them. They're, they're all sort of in that bit of the office over there, the, the bit I don't go into. Um, but, I've, you know, production jobs and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, because I, I'm now the longest-running editor of the magazine, um, you know, it's, it's like people feel, well, I've had long enough. But it is, it is kind of my job, um, and it helps me pay for my mortgage. So I'm, I'm, until I've worked out if I want to do something else, I'm very happy doing what I do. Um, I don't feel I should feel obliged to leave. I'm still enjoying it. So it's nice to have a job that you enjoy doing, oh, isn't it? It is, and I, I'm, I completely agree with you because I identify with everything mm. you're saying, and I'm very happy in my job. And it's great when you've got a nice bunch of people to work with, mm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, I've got a lovely team there. Um, you know, we have a sort of little group of desks with uh, about six of us there. So, um, I mean, the office is bigger than, than that, but in our little section, there's six of us. And I, so I have Peter Ware and Richard Atkinson and Scott Gray and Emily Cook, and then either John Ainsworth or Mark Wright, depending on who's in. And it's it's a nice gang that we have. And we, we it, you know, the days do fly by because we're having fun while we work, but we do we do work hard but you know even when we sort of go off for, for lunch you know we all go off to lunch together and have a coffee and we're still talking about ideas and things and so you know you sort of feel like um even though you're working hard it's also you're with, you're with your friends and you're talking about doctor who which is what you'd probably be doing anyway if you yeah. weren't at work so doctor who's a wonderful thing like that isn't it you know mm. if you love doctor who and you're with other people who love doctor who it almost doesn't matter what they're really like as a person because you can always... The, the Doctor Who's the great leveller. Yeah, it? I think it would be quite difficult for two Doctor Who fans to sort of, you know, who, who find themselves in an office together and not find out quite quickly that they're Doctor Who fans. Somehow we kind of, you know, zone in on that, you know, and, and, and um, it, it comes up. I mean, I'd love to know if, if you know, you'd feel really annoyed wouldn't you if sort of on your last day in a job you found out that the person you've been sitting next to that whole time was an Oxy fan but you hadn't dared mention <laughs> yes, it. Yes that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yes. <laughs> what, are the, what are the telltale signs of uh, being a Doctor Who fan do you think? Um, Keep it clean. Yeah well I don't want to stereotype because you know these days they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Don't it's they, true actually things so. have changed since the yeah. As Frank Skinner said, I blame New Who. Not particularly about this, but that was a phrase he threw up. Everything's kind of changed. It's the 21st century and it's where it all changes, (laughs) I've heard. Um, Someone said that in an American accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got to be ready. We've got to be ready because now there's like girls and young people um, (laughs) as well as... Old people, old men, you know, like like you and me, Nick. It used to just I, be a yes, I right. used to be a young man. 
Yeah. This, the wisdom you come out with is astounding. I used to be a young Doctor Who fan, and now I'm Same a 40-year-old Doctor Who fan. Well, I used to be, and now I'm a 54-year-old Doctor mm. Who fan. But I don't know how you, you tell. You just know, I think. I think because, you know, I find that it's most people I meet. Will there be some sort of phrase they use? You know, are they going to get up and go "Homo sapiens" or something? You know, I think actually, in a way, yes, because you you tend to find just in the way you talk with people, suddenly you find your like I just did. You know, said that it's the twenty first century. You know, you I, I know that's a Torchwood quote, but it's still connected, and you find Indeed. suddenly it just works into ordinary conversation. A quote comes in. Um, and and you you find that people talking to you get you you know you, you get it and and you have a little a little laugh about that, but you realise that it's like talking another language. You know, if if there were someone who who wasn't a Doctor Who fan, like some of some of the poor souls in our office who who aren't Doctor Who, not many actually, but but some they they, they don't understand what on earth we're saying to each other. Is they they kind of recognise the word as English, but <laughs> but what what it all means is uh, yeah. is a mystery. You know, if if um, someone who I, I don't otherwise know, but I'm introduced to in some way, and they find out I edit the magazine, they find that quite interesting. Yeah. See, you know, they ask so them they what a they whole do magazine and, about yeah. Doctor well, Who. They, they, they find it possibly they find it surprising, but then they find it quite interesting that that, that it, it is because you know, it's the sort of thing you you do if you meet someone at a party. You say, "Oh, what do you do?" And they say, "I'm a plumber or something." And you go, "Okay, have you <laughs> fixed any taps?" recently they were particularly <laughs> tricky or you know that sort of thing um, and it, I find that sort of fairly limited I mean actually you know there are there are more dull things than that you know you sort of think I don't even know what that is and I don't really care but if you say that you edit, edit Doctor Who magazine they say oh you know and they, they have questions about it so that's quite fun but of course nobody recognises me because you know I'm not famous in that respect rec- if they're proper yeah. Doctor Who fans they recognise your name yeah. don't they that's it. Yeah. So maybe you should wear a badge but my, with your name on. My dad was in was in London last weekend, and came along. He he, he came along to our. We had a bit of a, a, a party for the five hundredth visio, and I said I'd ask my dad to come along, and he got chatting because my dad just talks to anyone well, on the public transport yeah. and so on, and he got talking to someone on the train, and uh, you know what, why why are you in London? He said, well, I'm heading over to St Paul's, uh, which is where we had the party, um, and she said, oh, you know, are you. Are you are, you know, what are you going there for? He said, "Well, my son's um, you know, um, doing something there." And he wasn't. He wasn't giving the details. Uh, but she said, "Oh, is, you know, is he singing? You know, because if he's singing St Paul's Cathedral yes. or so on." He said, "He said, well, no, no. What it is? It's a, it's a party for Doctor Who magazine." He said, "Oh, yeah. You know, what son's doing? Well, he edits the magazine." And she got very interested in this. Um, and, and you know, quite exciting. I must tell my daughter. You know, she was saying, and and you know, she she really wants to work in journalism and so on. And maybe I should. And you know, suddenly it becomes this thing that, that if I get an email from some girl who said my mum met your dad on a on a train <laughs> and said that I should apply for a job, I mean, you know, it, it becomes it's your like dad's this, fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't really have a, a vacancy available at the moment because Emily, who's working for us, is is uh, who's who's fantastic. You know, is is very much taken that sort of editorial assistant role but actually that was my dad's fault too because he got talking to her on Twitter and said oh my son's the editor you know you should ask for a job so there you go it can actually work wow goodness me now listen about you we've already mentioned when we were in the office about about uh, your contact with Big Finish which is quite limited so the question about what's agitating your molecules about Big Finish Mm. at the moment that doesn't really apply does it but what's agitating your molecules generally 
in terms of entertainment that you love at the moment, you know. Oh, sort of outside of Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah, or just anything, really, yeah. Well, I went to the cinema last night and watched the new X-Men film. Oh, yeah, what's that called? Which is called X-Men Apocalypse. Um, And I'm not a massive uh, superhero fan and Marvel comics and all of that. I mean, which is something we do publish here. We publish some of the Marvel... Um, of titles, but um, and Scott Gray is that's very much his his area. You know, they they do the reprints of Marvel strips, and he said, "Do you want to come along to the cinema?" And I thought, "Yeah, why not?" You know, it was a Wednesday evening. I'm otherwise just going to sit here on my own um, <laughs> doing Doctor Who doing magazine, Doctor magazine for a bit longer. So I went to the cinema, and I really enjoyed it. It was, um, you know, I haven't seen all of the X Men films. I think this is probably about the sixth one or. Like no, that. I haven't. My son's starting to watch them yeah. now far too early, and so mm. I am starting to get to see them. I felt slightly overwhelmed by it because I think I, I got a glimpse of what it must be like if you're not a Doctor Who fan and you see an episode which is quite involved, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's relating to all sorts of older episodes and the continuity and so on. Because there were all these characters in the film, and, and I don't know who any of them are. <laughs> um, I did enjoy the film, but I felt like. You know, this is not a jumping on point particularly because there's like about 20 different characters. Normally in a film you have, you know, three or four lead characters and this just felt like it had, you know, a whole um, football team plus substitutes, you know, as a, <laughs> yeah. as a, as a main <laughs> cast. So so I was kind of trying to keep up with it all, but... Um, but that, that was that was quite fun. Though. What about TV shows that you you know? Do you binge on box sets, as it were, that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, when I really get into something, I do. Anything sort of recently? Stick with it. That's... Well, I tend to be a bit behind everyone else because not that long ago I got the box set of the Tudors, which was I think probably about ten years ago now that hmm. came out. But the, it was limited enough that I knew there was about um, four series, and in total it was about thirty. Two episodes or something like that. That's manageable, so, isn't it? Yeah, I thought. Well, I can manage that, and that's uh, that will keep me going for, um, you know, if I if I watch a couple of night, you know, a couple of per night, it's going to keep me going for a, um, a few weeks. But it was really enjoyed that, hmm. um, you know. And actually, although it's kind of sort of bogus history in a way, it's sort of very loosely based on real history. It had enough kind of um, of uh, real. Events that I, I actually sort of went and actually started reading about some of it. Have you, you seen know. Wolf Hall? Well, I've seen a tiny glimpse of it. I quite like to get into that as well. That's much more, mm. I think, faithful to history. Yes. I would say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Not, I suppose it's what expert, you want from these kind of. I did things an A level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose if you want, if you want the real history, there are plenty of books and there are documentaries yes, and all yes. of that. And, and you know, you watch a, a, a TV drama, and it is also entertainment isn't it so yeah. um, so I was kind of fine with the sort of glamorised um, rather Hollywood version of, of this with uh, John, what's he called Jonathan Rhys Mayers yeah, and, yeah, yeah, sorry, and kind yeah. of you know everyone looks far more kind of sort of clean shaven and, and sort Which of just wouldn't have been the case yeah of course at all you know and everyone would have been covered in muck you know <laughs> <laughs> if in the real be more like Monty Python than the Holy Grail yeah and um, yeah now just you know I'm going to let you go in a minute, but uh, can you tease us with anything that's coming up in Doctor Who magazine or any, um, if you can't do that, or as well as doing that, any sort of uh, wish list things, the kind of things you'd like to do Mm. in Doctor Who magazine in the coming months and years? Well, we're about six months away until it comes back on TV. It's actually not that long when you put it in those terms. I know that's a one off for Christmas. So we've got a good few issues to go before that. Um, 
the next one, which may be out by the time you listen to this or about to come out, will be a big Tom Baker special. Um, and that was partly because it's still tying in with our sort of 500 celebrations that Tom just felt like such a big part of it. It, it yeah. couldn't all fit into that that one thing, so we're really focusing on him. Um, later on, we're, we're, I was just talking with Richard about it earlier on today, that we're, we're hopefully going to have a little bit of a revamp around, maybe introduce some more... Um, uh, regular features and so on. Um, I think Jack Rayner, who writes the Relative Dimension, she feels she's been doing that for about two or three years now, and that she's um, kind of got to the end of what she wants to do with that. So we might be thinking, well, what, what we're going to have as a replacement for that. Um, I think every now and again on the magazine, it's quite nice just to sort of swap things around a bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, change the fonts and the look of it slightly, not beyond all recognition, but. I think that might be quite a nice thing to do in you, the autumn. You want to invite some complaints, basically. As well, yeah, yeah, we've changed things again. <laughs> well, we've done it a few times since. I mean, we didn't actually get as many complaints as I thought when we changed the size of it. We made it a bit shorter and a bit wider. And you did, didn't you? Yeah. I thought I'd just got sort of older and bigger. You, you thought you'd changed size. Yeah, yeah, I thought it had been me, but it's yeah. actually the magazine. Yeah. Stop messing with my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've only, we've only done that once. Well, I mean, but in my time before that, it's changed before. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, so, uh, I'm not going to look to change the size of the magazine again. Maybe make um, it triangular. Yeah, or? we could try different sort of geometric shapes, um, <laughs> just for fun. Um, I, I came up with quite a good idea, which I'm not going to tell you what it is okay. yet because it's a little way off. But for issue 507, I don't know what we're going to do for issue 507. Is there any significance in the number? Uh, no. But it will be the one that comes out in January. Is it 507 or 508? I can't remember which one it is. The one that comes out in the new year. Well, that gives us a clue, doesn't it? Because this Christmas special will have been on. Yeah, it'll be the the month after Christmas. Oh, that'll be quite fun for the the first one of the new year. Um, Because we have to plan ahead on some things a bit... You know, some things I can keep quite flexible until very last minute, and other things we have to plan well in advance. And they always want to know, you know, which ones are going to have a poly background in, which ones are going to have a poster, and that yeah. kind of thing, because they have to get it all into their budget and their schedule. So they're always asking me about things that I don't want to think about that far ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, my job's like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, I don't know. I don't know quite when it's going to be back on telly yet, I, in the spring sometime. But they want to, of course, have it in their, their schedule. Um, these faceless people at Penny, they don't literally have no, they haven't been uh, face, by face the, by blasted the, yeah, the, the, the wire hasn't come and stolen their faces they, they do have faces but they're uh, they, what, what am I saying? I don't know, um, they, they, the, they, the they, people they like want to know. to know the details, the they, details that yeah. we can't possibly know until we know them. Yes, they're always asking me for things that I can't do, you know, can, can you give us the poster for Christmas now? Well no, they haven't even made the Christmas special yet, so, so we, don't know we haven't got Unless any. it's just a TARDIS with some snow yeah. on or something. Yeah, it's that sort of thing, you know, they're going to make that Christmas special at some point in the next few months and then I'll, I have no idea what it's going to be and what the poster might be yet, but they, they like to know now. Gosh, um, yes. It's all so. schedules and deadlines, mm. isn't it? Tom, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and as to you, always. Nick. Thank you, and to you. I think I sounded a bit sin- insincere when I said that. I, Try I again. Tom, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Nick. <laughs> now that sounded insincere. <laughs> Perhaps I could edit the two versions together so we're both sincere at the same time. Well, just leave it as it is leave and, it and it people is. will... will, will <laughs> You're kicking the desk, <laughs> destroying things. Well, it's oh. been lovely to visit Panini. I've not been to this version of Panini. The last time I visited you, you were in a completely oh. different building, the other end of town. 
Yeah, down in the pantomime. I had a long time finding this. I was walking round and round. Mm. I thought that maybe androids in white suits with sort of astronauts' masks and guns in their fingers were going to come out and start shooting I, at me. I always think our building from the outside looks a bit like the bit of the BBC where they shot the Ogrons running around in Frontier in Space. Have that's look, not when the you BBC. Leave. That was, well, uh, well, where that was the was. South Bank. The South Bank, yes, yeah. that's what I mean. But, yeah. um, but when we... Go outside again. Yeah. Have a look and see if you can see an over. I can. I can hear the noise of their guns in my head now. Yeah. You come. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to press stop now. Yeah. I think it's best, don't you? Just, just, just please stop. Thanks to all at Doctor Who magazine for making me feel so very welcome, and thanks in particular to Tom. What a lovely chap time now for a randomly selected release from the Big Finish archive. Activating the randomoid selectatron thingamajiggeroony thing. And it's the Martian Chronicles. Not made by, by Big Finish, but we do distribute it. Here's the trailer. Look! Up there! Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. What's his state of mind? He spent 20 years flying around Pluto. I watched those astronauts fall 38 miles to Earth. Let's go see if we can find ourselves a Martian. When I was 10 years old, everyone at school had a poster of you on their bedroom walls. The first human voice from Mars. The whole world was listening. It's incredible. Looks like a gateway into the city. They're dead! Sam, you're frightening me! They're all dead! There's nothing anyone could have done, Spender. I know they're here. I can feel it. It's never our fault, is it? Humans always find someone else to blame. It's gone, I repeat, it's gone. I've got nothing, I've got zero. Hey, you Martians! Where's their respect? Where's their sense of the right thing? Now we knew for sure we weren't alone. We almost wish we were. Produced by B7 Productions, this is a highly prestigious production made for uh, broadcast on BBC Radio 4, directed by Andrew Mark Sewell, uh, sound designed by Alistair Locke. Oh, yes, it's just done a lot of big finishes. Its cast features Sir Derek Jacobi, who some of you may mainly know as The Master, uh, and in Utopia, that episode. Do you remember that? And Hayley Atwell, who you may know as Agent Carter, and uh, a guest star on quite a few Big Finish productions. Here they are, talking about their work on the Martian Chronicles. She's a fundamentalist in some way, and an extremist, and she um, quite quickly turns on her, her own people once she discovers something that she believes is her, probably her true calling, which is this other civilization. Suppose you explain what just happened. I... I was ashamed. They're just letting off steam. Where's their respect? Where's their sense of the right thing? You can't assault the ranks. It's the idea of them watching us make fools of ourselves. Them? The Martians. But Wilder, you know, also makes many mistakes in the course of the of the piece, which makes it interesting. There's nothing anyone could have done, Spender. It's never our fault, is it? Humans always find someone else to blame. A highly recommended production available for download from the Big Finish site. (laughs) 
Now, before I tell you what's coming up in the next podcast, just time to let you know about our latest release. Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Second Doctor, Volume 1. Four new adventures for the second Doctor and his companions, continuing our classic range of narrated adventures. Uh, Stories include The Mouthless Dead by John Pritchard, where Ben, Polly and Jamie find themselves in a haunted railway station. The Story of Extinction by our very own Ian Atkins, in which Victoria finds herself recalling an adventure on the planet Emiandar. I hope I've pronounced that properly, Ian. I feel bad if I haven't. I haven't actually heard it yet. David Richardson tells me it's his favourite of all the stories in the in the box set. Hmm. The Integral by David Bartlett, where the second Doctor finds himself in a siege under base. Yes, you heard that right. The Edge by Rob Nisbet, where a visit to the galaxy's hub of scientific experimentation thrills Zoe, but what danger has Jamie uncovered? Here's the teaser for it. Oh, 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 oh thank goodness. Uh, oh, it's you. I, I thought for a moment it was... Uh, well, uh, must just sit down for a moment. Uh, I, I'm glad I, I met you, as a matter of fact. Um, there's something I, I want to tell you. When we start out on our next adventures, uh, uh, Jamie, Polly, Ben, um, Victoria, Zoe and I, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we visit new places. Uh, we also meet some new enemies. Uh, there's the evil Provost Curtis, uh, ruling a place called the Edge. Uh, there's the monstrous Integral. And there are horrible figures waiting for a, a special train in 1920. It's all just a little bit more frightening than last time. So, <clears throat> I, I want to warn you that if your, your mummy or, or daddy are scared, you, you just get them to hold your hand. Oh, here we go again. Uh, i better go. See you soon. <laughs> I hope. Doctor Who. The Companion Chronicles. The Second Doctor, Volume 1, coming June 2016. That's fun, I like that. In next week's podcast, it'll be time for the other Tom to chat to us. Tom Baker, that is. Until then, it's goodbye from me and Ben, who's fast asleep. Goodbye, Ben. Bye. Ben can now go back to having his dinner. Goodbye. Just before you go... There's a free bit of Big Finish fun. One Small Step is a Doctor Who short trip I wrote and performed many, many, many years ago. 2006, I think. Anyway, it's quite short. Have a listen. One Small Step. The little boy was sitting in the bath. He was a bit nervous. He would have felt better if he'd been allowed to lock the door, but bathing alone was a new experience for him, and his parents were scared that he might come to grief in three inches of water, with them locked outside in the hallway, unable to rescue him. It wasn't really a credible threat, but parents worry about little boys alone in baths, and this little boy was, by and large, obedient, and had cooperatively opted into being wary of the three deadly inches of bath water. 
But what if someone were to wander uninvited into this modest, modern bungalow at 59 Barnesville Crescent and accidentally walk into the bathroom and find the little boy all bare and embarrassed in the bath? That was the fear currently occupying the little boy's mind. Every time he swished the water around to wash himself, a hot foreboding would overtake him, making him stop to listen for unknown intruders in the hallway. For the umpteenth time, the water settled into silence as the little boy strained to listen for potential bath crashers. For the umpteenth time, the coast seemed to be clear. Then suddenly, there really was a noise. Feet padding gently on a carpet, then the creak of a floorboard. Who's that? the little boy asked. The noises stopped. The bathwater settled. The little boy's face began to burn with worry, and his tummy churned with the lurking feeling that he really was about to become very scared indeed. Hello? he nervously ventured. It's only me, was the instant reply. And so warm, recognisable and reassuring was this voice that the little boy's face cooled, his tummy calmed, and the fear evaporated. He would now continue to swish bathwater without even a drop of fear for the whole of the rest of his life. From now on, baths would always be safe and reassuring. No one would ever burst in by accident, and even if they did, it wouldn't matter. The Doctor, Jamie and Zoe were relaxing in Compton Bay on the Isle of Wight, just off the central south coast of England, Earth. Facing out across a moderately sparkling English channel beneath a respectably English summer blue sky, the time-space travellers wriggled their toes in the sand, giggled quite a bit, and occasionally took it in turns to throw each other unexpectedly into the foaming surf. Well then, announced the Doctor with unfathomable significance. Zoe stopped throwing sand up Jamie's kilt. Jamie, who was pretending to ignore her efforts and the increasingly uncomfortable grittiness, was glad of the interruption. I think it's time for some ice cream, don't you? said the doctor as he began marching off up the beach. It wasn't really a question. I won't be long! Jamie gave Zoe a look. She knew that look and immediately jumped to her feet and ran, screaming. But it was too late. The bold Highland warrior soon had her in his clutches. The surf beckoned, and neither of them could stop laughing. Clambering up the makeshift cliffside stairway, the doctor grinned and chuckled to himself at the sound of Jamie and Zoe's seaside squawking. It was good to relax for a change. Somehow the quarks, crotons, cybermen and deadly clockwork soldiers just didn't seem real from the perspective of a sandy beach. Ray gun blasts and the screams of terror was swallowed by the crashing, soothing surf. It was an excellent time to visit Earth for a holiday, because almost the entire planet was preoccupied with events taking place just a few thousand miles out in space. A chap called Neil Armstrong had stepped from his fragile little spaceship onto the surface of Earth's lifeless moon sometime in the early hours of this morning. Consequently, the majority of Earthlings were gathered around their television sets, avidly watching what looked like semi-transparent white blobs bouncing around on a grey, crater-pitted backdrop. 
This all left Compton Bay largely and pleasantly deserted. The doctor reached the top of the cliff and headed across an unevenly grassy field towards an ice cream van marooned in the middle of a fairly empty car park. He had rolled his trousers up to his knees and taken off his shoes and socks to paddle in the sea earlier, and so was now being very careful to avoid sharp stones and cowpats. As he approached the van, a cow nuzzled him and left a nasty sticky stain on his white shirt. The doctor had never quite worked out why cows were always so friendly towards him. It likes you, came a squeaky little voice from somewhere below the doctor's eyeline. Stopping, the doctor looked down to see a little boy wearing swimming trunks and a t-shirt. Hello, said the doctor. Yes, she does, doesn't she? He smiled at the little boy. For a moment, the little boy was afraid. This man's smile seemed a bit strange, a bit different. But it was a smile, after all. One the little boy couldn't help catching, rather like a comfortable and well-deserved yawn. Mind you don't tread in the cow poo, said the little boy, as helpfully as possible. Oh, <laughs> the doctor couldn't help laughing. Yes. Y yes, I will mind out, thank you. I saw a cow do a big poo here once, the little boy said. It was an important secret he only shared with his friends. Um, did you? Well, that's not very nice, is it? said the doctor, not knowing quite what else to say. No, agreed the little boy enthusiastically. It squirted right up in the air and went right from one side of the path where the cow was, right over the other side. The little boy had described the arc of poo trajectory with an outstretched finger. The doctor had earnestly followed it, wishing he hadn't, as it was putting him off the idea of an ice cream. My mummy says I shouldn't talk about it, said the little boy. Lost for words, the doctor nodded, trying to look as if the anecdote had given him food for great thoughts. That seemed to satisfy the little boy. And where is your mummy? inquired the doctor politely. They're all in the cottage watching the moon thing on the telly. Oh, and did you watch it? A bit. But it was rubbish. It was all blurred and blobby. And do your mummy and daddy know you're out here on your own? At this, the little boy looked worried. He hadn't considered that. Perhaps he shouldn't be here at all. No, I don't think they do know, do they? Said the doctor as understandingly as possible. So I want you to go back to the cottage and ask them if it's all right. Will you do that for me? Feeling more and more worried, the little boy nodded and straightaway scampered off. The doctor had only just reached the ice cream van, still smiling to himself, when he heard the sound of a car's tyres screeching on the road. And when he turned and saw that the little boy had run out in front of a car and had been knocked down, he froze and felt utterly powerless. The car door opened and the driver ran screaming to where the boy's body had fallen. The man from the ice cream van ran too. The little boy struggled to move. He wasn't dead. A teardrop dripped from the doctor's bottom lid and splashed down his worn, lined face because he knew that this little boy's legs had been smashed beyond repair. He felt that talking to the little boy had been the worst thing he'd ever done. He didn't want an ice cream anymore. He ran back down the cliff, slipping and sliding, nearly falling, splinters from the rickety wooden steps digging into his heels. Jamie and Zoe were drying off in the sun when they felt the doctor march past them, so big were his strides that he accidentally kicked sand in Zoe's face. Oi! she cried out, sitting bolt upright, anticipating another imminent surf dunking. Both she and Jamie watched, very nearly open-mouthed, as the doctor strode immediately to the landing site of the invisible TARDIS. Without hesitation, 
he'd fished out his key and was vanishing from view. Luckily, no one else on the beach was looking in their direction at the time. And bring my coat, shouted the now invisible doctor. Doctor, what? started Jamie. But Zoe knew that tone of voice, and what disturbed her was that she'd never heard the doctor use it before. Something's terribly wrong, she said, and Jamie knew she was right. Without another word, the two of them gathered their things and entered the TARDIS. Moments later, the cacophony of its engines was conveniently engulfed in the sound of surf and the calls of seagulls. Inside the TARDIS, the Doctor stared into the rising and falling control column, seemingly hypnotised by its surging power. He waited for a thought to fall into place. Then his hands calmly moved over the ship's controls, making adjustments and allocating temporal energy in a forbidden sequence. What have you done? asked Zoe, but almost immediately she sensed that the Doctor would never answer. Four hours earlier, the TARDIS finally made its second invisible arrival in Compton Bay. This time only a sea-soaked sandy dog was aware of anything being amiss, knocking itself senseless by unwittingly running at full pelt into the craft's unseen outer shell. The three time-space travellers exited wearily into visibility. This had been a long, meandering return journey, and Jamie had actually completely forgotten why they'd come back. When he started to ask questions... Zoe gave him the kind of look that always made him feel very stupid, so he shut up. The doctor plonked himself down on the sand. He hadn't forgotten. Zoe looked hard into his tired eyes and noticed that they'd reddened somewhat. Why don't you take your jacket off? she asked him. Like I did before, said the doctor. Zoe nodded and smiled in a way to let him know she understood how he was feeling. Jamie was digging a hole in the sand. Best to keep out of this, he thought. I'm not going to do anything I did before, continued the doctor. Not anything. No ice cream, asked Jamie. Zoe gave him that look again. Oh, come on, you two. We've had a terrible time lately. Those last three planets were awful. And that yellow thing with five... Zoe wanted to bury her burly Scots friend so that the tide would wash over him. Instead, she just opted for throwing a handful of sand into his face. It caught him full in his open mouth. Right! He spluttered and charged at her, bellowing his best Highland war cry. The doctor managed a feeble smile and a short chuckle as Jamie dragged Zoe off and deposited her in the surf. It was almost the same as last time, but the doctor wouldn't roll up his trousers, wouldn't take off his shoes and socks, and there would be no ice cream. The hours passed, and soon the doctor simply began to stare at the top of the cliff. He could just pick out the roof of the ice cream van. He fixed his eyes on it and continued to stare. Eventually the sun began to settle and the ice cream van slid away to the distant diminishing hum of an engine. The tide was out and Jamie was trying to find crabs in the rock pools. So he wondered what Jamie found so exciting about crabs until he found one and tried to drop it down the front of her shirt. She swiftly put a stop to his antics by threatening to introduce the next crab she saw to the warm, inviting shelter of his kilt. Jamie pelted off across the beach, as if trying to chase the tide out further. Zoe looked back towards the doctor. He was still looking at the cliff top, his face so utterly glum that the deep folds of his forehead and jowls seemed to have set in concrete. 
Zoe longed for the doctor to brighten again and become the lovely little man who was such fun to be with. He had always seemed so indestructible, respectfully fearful of the terrors the universe had to offer, but never fazed by them, always eager to move on. Above all, she had always felt that the doctor was emotionally robust. And then, in one moment, when his defences were down, a tiny tragedy had pierced his armour. Just as the sun began giving off its pre-sunset fiery glow, some activity broke out at the top of the cliff. Noticing this, the doctor immediately straightened from his slump. Zoe dared not even breathe as she watched. Jamie was returning with the first gentle washes of a turning tide. He stopped dead when he saw the people climbing down the cliff steps. It was then that he remembered the story the doctor had told him months ago. The story of the little boy who had been run over by a motor car. And this must be the little boy, thought Jamie. It was the little boy. The doctor was certain. The little boy and his family, heading down to the beach for a barbecue. The doctor closed his eyes and let out a long, exhausted sigh. This time, the little boy had come to the car park, but there had been no doctor there to talk to him. No doctor to tell him to go home. No doctor to interfere. For a moment, the doctor wondered what the little boy had decided to do in his absence, but it didn't matter. The car had not hit him. That's the important thing, thought the doctor, and headed for the TARDIS, with Zoe and Jamie obediently following. As the grown-ups noisily busied themselves with barbecue preparations on the beach, only the little boy thought he heard a strange sound. But there was nothing strange to see. Just the sand and the sea. Inside the TARDIS, flicking switches and tapping his chin as he thoughtfully peered at the controls, the Doctor was enjoying a feeling of normality. Zoe squeezed his sleeve. Jamie gave an affirming smile. The Doctor felt pleased to have such warm friends. He smiled and promised himself not to think of the little boy again. He only broke that promise once. Wrapped in two towels, the little boy entered the living room, triumphant and proud that he had survived the bath. His parents seemed pleased too. Where's Uncle Mick? asked the little boy. His mum and dad smiled, but were clearly a little confused. Uncle Mick hadn't been to visit. Nobody had called in. And neither mum nor dad had left the living room the whole time the little boy had been in the bath. But there was someone in the hall outside the bathroom, insisted the little boy. Well, how do you know? asked Mum. Well, he said something. Already the little boy was having difficulty remembering the sound of the voice. In fact, he couldn't remember whose voice it had sounded like at all. It had just been a good voice. A reassuring voice. What did he say? asked Dad. It's only me, said the little boy. He felt a bit chilly for a moment as if looking at an unfamiliar smile for the first time. But then the chill went away, and the little boy didn't worry anymore, and his parents forgot all about it the way parents do. But the little boy never forgot, and neither did the doctor. (laughs) 